Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital or you are looking to get your company acquired or just need some sound financial planning and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at PantheraAdvisors.com or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at Alejandro at PantheraAdvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a serial entrepreneur out of Europe that, uh, you know, really he's going to share with us his incredible journey, you know, a full life cycle, build it, scale it, financing, exit it, and, and then also doing it again. Uh, but I think that, you know, we're, it's going to be fun. But without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Fat Rashidi. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Alejandro. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here today. So let's do a walk through memory lane. So, so in your case, you were born in France and you were raised there in France, but obviously with the immigrant parents. I mean, your parents were from Morocco. So, so I'm sure that being there and, and having your parents work so hard to really make a, or create a better future for you guys, I'm sure that that was quite inspiring for you and, and that it was incredible influence for you as well as an entrepreneur later on. So tell us about your upbringings. Yeah, that's a, a great starting point, I, I guess, because, you know, I think what happened during my childhood really defines who I am today. So, you know, you're right. Uh, we come from a very modest background, uh, immigrants background. Uh, the, the place where we were, uh, where we grew up was, you know, not very uh, an exciting environment to live in, to say the least. And, and you know, I think the the conclusion of that experience is that you should never take uh, no for an answer. Uh, when you're an outsider, uh, when you're not part of uh, a circle and you're trying to uh, go to the best school in France or you're trying to uh, achieve great scores at school and, and you know, they tell your personal story. I applied to one of the top schools in France, Lycée Louis-le-Grand, uh, which is where the uh, most of the French presidents, uh, prime ministers, uh, top CEO of the big companies are coming from. When I did actually ask my teachers, uh, mathematics, uh, physics, science, to get uh, to endorse me uh, to go to that school, they actually refused initially. And then they put a, a, a really negative comment on my dossier uh, for, uh, to submit to the school. I was really upset. I was really disappointed. You know, I think they... Uh, it's hard to understand their reaction, but because you're not part of this uh, elite circle, you know, this, it's, uh, it's challenging. But uh, I still uh, pushed for it. I still applied and I went in. Then also I received the answer 
uh, from the school that I was accepted. And then my parents told me, well, you know what? We don't have the money to send you. So I had to find uh, an alternative. That's my first experience of raising money. <laughs> and so finding uh, a, a charity, uh, Fondation France uh, in, in, in Paris, who helped uh, me pay for my higher education. And actually today, uh, they are a shareholder in the company because we've given them uh, a shares for free uh, because it's payback time. You know, you should never forget where you're from and who helped you in the journey. Uh, and these guys are helping other uh, uh, entrepreneurs to build businesses, to access higher education. So, so yeah, that was uh, a very, uh, you know, uh, a tough experience, but uh, really the learning curve. And again, with the message of uh, if you want to get something, just go for it and don't take no for an answer. And why do you think they refuse to, to endorse you, the teachers? Well, I think, you know, I was uh, uh, the top student in the class uh, for years. Uh, their own children were in the class and I was well above their, the results of their own children. I think probably they were a bit upset with that. And, you know, they... It's hard to describe, you know, I don't hold any grudge uh, for that, but they also maybe see you as uh, an outsider, right. an immigrant. Uh, and uh, I, I, have, I don't know, actually. It's a good question. Wow. Uh, I mean, obviously now the, the, times, the times have changed quite a bit, but I mean, if that was to happen in the U.S., that would be all over the media and it would be like, a, I mean, nowadays I think we live in the information era, so information flows very fast. And that would not happen nowadays. But but in your case, I think, you know, even though from a negative, as you said, there's always a positive. And it's remarkable the fact that you're even, you know, giving back with the shares that you're allocating. Uh, but in your case, you know, why out of all things math? I mean, it seems that that math, you know, and economics and all of that, it was really an interest. And you even went and, and continued doing that in university. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I was a child, I was always building things, interested in science. Uh, I was actually telling the story a few days ago to one of my friends. I was reading uh, uh, biographies of Newton, Galilei, and I built a telescope. Uh, um, so I was always very interested in science, uh, generally speaking. So I was really good at it as well, fortunately. It's super exciting to be able to build stuff to invent, to, to create new things, uh, and to see uh, the applications it can have and the impact it can have on people's life. So that's really what drives me, improving things and, and uh, changing the statu quo and, and uh, helping people like my dad or, or kids like uh, me getting access to better information, better products, um, and in specifically in, in finance, you know, giving them the tools and the ability to build uh, a secure financial future for themselves. So in your case, after university, you know, you, you did a little bit of banking, right? So either on the private or public, but, but you, you, you went first to Calion and then to the European Central Bank. So why such a, such a change, you know, from one another, jumping ships like that? <laughs> yeah, I tell you right now, Alejandro, I started in, uh, in, in trading. So actually, I started my career at Société Générale in Paris, which was at the time, you know, the top bank in equity derivatives. So I was a trader there. And then I, uh, I worked also at uh, Crédit Linné, which then became Crédit Agricole and Calion. But, you know, I hated it. Um, so I 
took that's a very good lesson as well you know i took the job because you know coming from my my background i needed the money uh, and you know it was really high well paid uh, job and uh, helped me pay back the mortgage of my parents help my brother go to a, a higher uh, to to university etc but i really hated the job uh, this uh, you know the the concept of uh, uh, pure speculation and making money uh, for the sake of making money was definitely something I didn't enjoy. And, and so I didn't see the point. Uh, and then that's why I decided that, you know, I want to go back to my roots, which is building things, you know, mathematics, science, building models. So actually at the European Central Bank, I was responsible for building uh, financial models. I actually have designed the uh, uh, models that help the board of governors uh, predict the interest, uh, the rate curve, the yield curve, and and then as a consequence, infer from that uh, uh, inflation expectation and drive uh, monetary policy decisions. And today, that model is still used by the European Central Bank. Uh, and so, you know, it's uh, the starting uh, point where I realized, you know, you should never do stuff or take a job. If you don't like it, if you don't enjoy it, and if you're not having fun, so that's the main reason. So then, so then your first day in rodeo, you know, obviously was Vantage Capital Markets. So tell us about. I mean, it took you a little bit of time, really, you know, to to become an entrepreneur. I mean, we're talking about, you know, probably like around eight years or nine years after you know being fully graduated from university, especially having that drive and that and that thing. Uh, energy that that you got influenced by your parents which was hey if you want something just go get it just like they did you know with going to france from morocco why do you think it took you so long to really go at it as an entrepreneur yeah i think it's the previous story i was telling you about the schooling experience plus the constant thing of having having to fight for everything and you know it's uh the it takes some time to become to to gain some maturity there and to become uh, uh more aware uh, uh, to create that self awareness which basically is you know this is what I want to do and I need to do it so it was a very good learning curve and and, and a few years of uh, learning experience i always had in mind the idea of uh, one day i want to be my own boss and i want to start a business etc but I also wanted to take on some experience and see how, uh, you know, the world uh, of uh, large corporations uh, operates. And actually, uh, it, it's it's quite powerful because then subsequently, uh, we'll probably talk about it later, but uh, we, I'm used to target uh, large clients, large, large organizations as, as clients. So having, you know, a, a good understanding of how this organization operates was helpful with insight. But yeah, and so I did the first uh, jump uh, after the central bank by uh, joining uh, with uh, a number of uh, partners and, and starting up uh, Vantage uh, Global Investment Strategies, which was uh, uh, an investment research platform, which, uh, yeah, we started that just before the financial crisis, actually, um, in, uh, in late 2007. So it was quite challenging, as you can imagine, uh, uh, because the crisis hit uh, six months later. 
I got the uh, the Archdiocese, and and then Lehman collapsed in September two thousand eight. We were just taking off. <laughs> the, the the good news is that uh, uh, you know it's uh, and and that's a good learning point as well is that you know always leverage previous experiences and and learn from what you've been doing before. So coming from a background of a central banker, it was actually quite powerful to talk to clients uh, since you know most of the the challenges for investment managers for investors was at that point to understand what central bank w- would be doing uh, what's the impact of their decision what is quantitative easing it started then uh, now everybody knows about it but at the time it was completely new and nobody understood what 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 would be the consequences of uh, those decisions on asset prices and on uh, inflation um, yeah. so we managed to still on board new clients uh but then uh, the uh, the the regulators uh started to change the way uh managers and clients were paying for research and that basically uh, put uh, a nail in the coffin and so we 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 stopped the business so what was the lesson for you because as they say you either succeed or you learn so first of all it's uh, uh getting scale fast um, so the business was growing, but it's uh, it was uh, reasonably slow. So you, we were breaking even, but it was not scaling up fast. Um, and then secondly, it's like always keep an eye on what's going on on the regulatory space, especially in financial services, because that can completely change your business model. So yeah, didn't didn't see that one coming, um, and so basically. We didn't anticipate the, the changes on the business, and therefore we were a bit late to to react. So, so in in this case, I mean, this at least you know led you to to your next uh, company, and your next company probably your biggest success to date, uh, and that is Scientific Beta. So, on Scientific Beta, I mean, what 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 were you guys doing, and how did you? I mean, it was a quick jump. So you went from failing right away to like starting another company right away. I mean. No, no, even time for nothing. So, so tell us about this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's a, it's it's not a a sprint; it's a marathon. So, you know, you need to be resilient, never give yeah. up, and if you get hit in the face, just start again. A hundred percent. So, so how did you start again? How was that process like? Uh, well, very, very quickly. I mean, uh, and actually, it's a. Taking on board all the lessons of the the previous experience, so first of all, uh, and again following the the financial crisis, what happened is that a lot of asset managers, pension funds, large asset owners, started to to shift their investment from active uh, managers and active management strategies to what is called passive investment strategies, indices, because they were like. We look at the financial crisis, we're paying 2% fees uh, on the AUM to this fund manager, plus a 20% you know, performance fee. And these guys just delivering the S&P 500 investment returns. Um, so we pay for his boat, his Ferrari, and his big house, but we could buy an index uh, at a, a few basis points and get the same return. So trustees, regulators, uh, and and uh, large asset owner realized that actually uh, it makes more sense to shift a huge amount of our asset allocation to indices 
and and uh, we basically benefited from that. So the business started uh, by uh, selling um, indices uh, and and what is called smart beta indices or, or automated investment strategies, replicating or mimicking, if you want, what active managers are doing, capturing dif- different investment factors in the market, but at a fraction of the cost. Uh, and with a solution that is easily uh, deployable, easily uh, implemented uh, by the asset manager. And so, um, yeah, that took took off very quickly because we went for the strategy or, and I I was uh, leading the sales effort there, we went in the strategy to target uh, the big whale and secure big clients to build uh, credibility on the product. And the first clients were BlackRock and Amundi, which are just the largest asset manager in the world. Um, and so immediately that created huge credibility. Then subsequently we signed up Morgan Stanley. Um, and, and then it you know went on very quickly. Uh, and um, so that was you know the exciting experience, a business uh, which uh, started out of uh, uh, south of France, uh, in Nice, and then expanded in the in Europe, in the US, in Asia, uh, etc. And then, uh, you know, I think a lot of uh, large uh, player in the market uh, took notice. Uh, what was happening at the same time is that the, there was a, a huge growth in the ETF market, uh, and ETF are obviously uh, replicating those type of indices in particular and it basically uh, therefore attracted a lot of attention from uh, 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 stock exchange those uh, uh, stock exchanges uh, nasdaq uh, new york stock exchange the lsc in in london or uh, the singapore stock exchange uh, were very keen to build up their index capabilities and so we had a few conversations, and then actually the uh, the Singapore Stock Exchange bought uh, the the business for over two hundred million, um, nice. and you know it was a, a, a quite a straightforward conversation there, um, and, um, and and actually they they are still you know running the set of indices today and still growing the business. How long did it take from uh, first touch point to um, to closing? Uh, it was less than six months. Wow. So they were the ones that approached you? I mean, did you put like a M&A process in place uh, to find them or, or was it just like completely inbound? Um, so, yeah, I was, you know, mostly responsible to drive the sales at the time and focusing on there. So the CEO at the time, Noel, was driving that process. Uh, and we were having just very limited number of conversations with the main index uh, stock exchange. Got it. So incredible, obviously fantastic exit, you know, and then in your case, you know, you did a little bit of private markets and, and you, you, you actually were lecturing uh, as well. And that led you to the next company, to Abaca. So, um, so tell us about Abaca and, and how you came up with the idea and how you went about it with bringing it to life. Sure. So yes, today uh, I'm the CEO and founder of Abaca, uh, which is a company we started in late 2015, uh, and 
registered the company in London in January 2016. Uh, and, and Alejandro, it was, uh, you know, an, an, an easy one actually to, to some extent because, you know, in the previous business, uh, Santivi Beta, all my clients were, were tell, telling me, Fed, this is great. We have a great investment product. Thank you for the indices. This is fantastic, performing well, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of a new product, but uh, our next challenge is we, we, to make sure that we, uh, we can explain that product to our customers, also the retail investors. Uh, we want them to use it. We want them to invest in it. We want them to understand it. And we want to be able to sell more. And by the way, we want also to be able to do that through a digital experience. Right. So this is back in 2015, 16, uh, where uh, really the fintech trend started to accelerate, especially in the wealth management space with the deployment and the scaling up of the robo advice industry, for example. Um, and 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 uh, therefore, uh, we we basically went, you know talking to these clients, yeah, no problem, we can build it. So in both cases, actually, those data, it's data-driven businesses, right? So the index business is just data. Uh, you need to get the, get the data to build the indices. Abaca is data-driven business. Uh, we, we are basically here. Uh, we've built an AI recommendation engine that help our clients, bank and insurance and wealth manager, design hyper-personalized customer experience and help them identify which product they can sell to which client and when. Um, and we do that in different industries, in retirement, obviously, where we started. Uh, we do that in insurance, that's life insurance. We do that in retail banking, typically uh, savings account, or consumer finance, loan credit cards. And we do that in wealth management. And that's, you know, a huge uh, uh, market today is uh, growing very fast, accelerating uh, because uh, incumbents uh, uh, have an urgency and, and an immediate need to control their distribution channel and the product distribution channel, um, which are being disrupted by new entrants like Revolut, for example, in 26 or or in Asia, we grab and financial, uh, sorry, WeChat grab and financial. Uh, and so all those players are marketplaces and super apps where people can purchase any financial product they want with a fantastic digital experience. Now, if you're a bank, HSBC, DBS, or whatever, uh, you know, well, you need to compete with those guys and you need to pro provide the solution that is same level of uh, digital experiences because that's customer expectations and you need to be able to build that marketplace but the challenge is you know you've got the insurance guys they don't speak to the wealth management guys they don't speak to the retail banking guys etc all the data is in different places different servers and the marketing guys are also running their own product campaign separately so you want to be able to bring all that together take years and and quite a lot of uh, actually energy and to my point on understanding how large organizations work you know there is a lot of uh, issues for those large organizations to be able to reach the point where you can bring all those components together and how how do you so, guys make money in that uh, in that equation 
Yeah, so yeah, we we are a SaaS uh, platform, Alejandro. We uh, license our technology to banks. We have clients, for example, today such as HSBC, where we work with them uh, in the UK and in France. We have clients like Prudential in Asia, where we cover markets such as Hong Kong, Singapore, Thailand, Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia. So they license our technology. They license our uh, AI machine learning mo- model for the recommendation engine and they they also license components of our uh, platform which help build the digital experience and in your case i mean obviously uh, in 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 fintech especially you know there's a lot of regulatory hurdles that uh, that you need to go through you know it's it's capital intensive you know to start off uh how how much capital have you guys raised today uh, today we've raised about 11 million pounds in total uh, since inception. So we started by self-funding the business and then we raised our first few rounds. We did an angel round, a seed round, and just recently closed our Series A round. Uh, and uh, you know we are grateful to have a number of uh, strategic investors and, uh, and VCs. Uh, and you know I think we are we're in a great spot uh, to to keep accelerating. We have Tremendous growth. We've been uh, starting from from scratch and and uh, uh, growing up our revenue base across the board. And it's a fantastic, you know, uh, 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 business to be in SaaS because you you know you're building the the growth uh, revenue from the the recurring revenue base, uh, and you keep adding clients. It keeps growing. So it, it's it's um it's it's very exciting and. Uh, you know, we think uh, the most exciting part today is the, to see uh, demand coming from clients, to see our clients referring to other clients. And there is a strong momentum, a positive, you know, dynamic within the business. Um, so when I see that, actually, I'm very happy. And and for the people that are listening, you know, in terms of uh, dollars, you know, we're talking about 14.5 million, you know, what you guys have raised. But you've raised that from great investors. I mean, you have people like, Anthemis Group. I mean, this is not your first rodeo, as uh, we've uh, discussed earlier, the different companies that you've built. So why did you decide to go with the investors that, that, you, went, that you went with, like Downey Ventures, Anthemis Group, and so forth? Well, I'll tell you, the same reason why we are going after HSBC or Prudential, or the, the same reason that in the previous business I went after BlackRock and Amundi, because at the beginning, uh, especially in the in the when you're a SaaS B2B platform selling to financial organizations, you want to go for the big names. It builds credibility. Yes, it's slower to acquire those customers, but it builds credibility. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a huge uh, endorsement from those clients to, 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 to use our solutions. And, and you do the same with your investors. So, you know, when uh, we decided to open uh, the door to external investors. There's at the time there was only well, there was one of the top VC in fintech was Antimis. There still are. They're probably one of still one of the best in the early stage space. Um, and so we just wanted to have them. So we went after them. And uh, as I said, we don't take no for an answer. So we <laughs> we went until they said yes. That's it. That's it. Now, now it was pretty interesting, you know, like the the early days because your co-founder and CTO was taking most of the meetings out of his toilet. I mean, how how is that possible? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, 
that's an interesting story because you know when you start you don't have money you have to you have a nice lifestyle and you live in london or in paris and uh, you give up all those things uh, shut door shut down the you know all your expenses and move move out and cut off everything and don't take any salary for the next two years um so benoit moved out actually from paris and he uh, he moved out in a in a small house in the countryside uh, and he didn't have any office so he, he was working from his toilet room yeah he was sitting <laughs> i have a picture i have a, i have still have a, this picture i told him i'm going to show this picture when we do the ipo on the nasdaq that's amazing <laughs> i love it i love it and now now how are you guys thinking because you're in dubai you got team in in london how are you guys thinking about distributed teams and and also building the team up yeah it's a it's a great question because i think uh, uh, first of all, the global pandemic has put a lot of, uh, you know, challenges and pressure on, on, on building uh, a corporate culture and making sure that people are able to work together. And uh, for us, it's probably a, a level higher because you have uh, different offices in different countries. Um, but yeah, it's it's making sure that you know every, you. You are in contact with the team all the time. We've got a great management team. Uh, they, they are very involved uh, with uh, uh, with everyone, um, doing gathering, team meetings, uh, constantly. You know, putting on your camera when you do when you do uh, calls. Uh, and then now we 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 have you know a, a structure where uh, you can work from the office and you can also work from home. So it's a uh, a hybrid, basically a, a workplace environment there, um, and I think it's it's really important to keep the right life work life balance um, because you know as I said at the beginning you want to do stuff and you want to be happy when you when you work, um, so it's really important to to keep that in mind and to make sure that everybody enjoy what they're doing. So imagine a fact that you go to sleep tonight and you wake up in a world where the vision and mission of Abaca is fully realized. What does that world look like? Right. Uh, so it looks like a, a very large global organization servicing uh, uh, banks and insurance companies globally. Uh, we've done our IPO. We are a public company. And, uh, you know, I have to deal with uh, some corporate governance issues and, and and stuff like that because that's what people do at the board level, right? <laughs> so, but I think I think I will I will just just on that point. I think I will still focus very very much on the business and and maybe put some people to take care of the governance there. hundred <laughs> percent. You got to delegate. You always got to get people better than you. So so imagine if I put you into a time machine. And I bring you back in time to that moment where you're still employee of the European Central Bank. And that moment where you are thinking about maybe starting something on your own. And imagine you were able to have a chat with that younger self and see that younger fat and, and be able to share one piece of advice before launching a business. Just one. What would that be and why, given what you know now? Yeah, be more ambitious. So never take no for an answer. And reach for the sky. And why being more ambitious? Do you think we, you were not as ambitious before? I don't know. But, you know, it, it's uh, difficult to say. Uh, but I think you can achieve more by being more ambitious. 
and sometimes you know you you put down your ambition or your dreams or your expectations just because people are telling you to do so or just because there's a bit of negativity around you i don't know but you know it's it's just human nature uh, if if people keep repeating stuff to you you start to believe in it uh you shouldn't you should do, listen to your uh, inner self um, and believe in yourself and reach for the sky and one book you know when you're reaching for the sky you got to be armed with the right tools and with the right information and knowledge what would you say is one book that you wish you would have read sooner <laughs> I don't know, do I have to mention your book, Alejandro, or can I take an... <laughs> but, well, let's not mention the book. Let's mention another one. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, yeah, recently I've read the, uh, the, the book on, uh, from uh, Mark Binoff, the founder of uh, Salesforce, oh, on nice. the, the Blitzkrieg and on how to scale fast. Amazing. I love it. Best, uh, oh. I highly recommend that book. I mean, incredible journey that uh, that he's had. So, um, so really amazing. Yeah, and you know, to, to the uh, to the point on, you know, don't put down your ambition and reach for the sky and and go for it. Yeah, he's a perfect example of that. Yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, um, so fat for the people that are listening. What is the best way for them to reach out and and say hi? Well, they can go on our website abaka.me, a b a k a dot m e, or they can you know email me. Very accessible, fed, F-H-D, at abaca.me. Amazing. Well, Fat, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Alejandro. It was a pleasure. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember, that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.